The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? I mean, this is like your wildest dream that you could actually live out. But we do fail, don't we? And because we've experienced failure, we dream smaller, right? So what did you used to believe was possible that you now believe is impossible, right? Like what I mean is kids, right? Kids dream crazy things. I mean, my boys think that they can grow up to be a T-Rex or a soldier. Our girls think they can be a princess or they can sprout wings and be a butterfly, right? Like everything is possible. There's nothing that's impossible for them. Then one day, reality hits and they suddenly realize they're never gonna be a T-Rex or a butterfly, right? And from that point on, when our bubble gets burst, when our dreams get shattered, we begin to settle. We begin to settle for less. We begin to settle for something like, yeah, well, that'll never happen, or this is all there is. And because we settle for, we settle in to what is safe and comfortable, what, what doesn't stretch us or hurt us or risk failing or risk being rejected. We, in fact, here's what we do. We, we settle for small dreams. We actually begin to dream smaller dreams. We lose our creativity. We lose believing that the impossible is possible. And so then we only dream small dreams, we make small wishes. We begin to only dream of what is actually doable, of what we can already see. And for those of us that believe in God, we do the same thing to God. We pray small prayers that we could answer without God even getting involved. We not only pray small prayers, but we have small faith in a small God. We have small faith because we have a small view of who God is. So how big is your God? How powerful is the God that you worship? I want to introduce you to a guy named Peter who had a small view of God and as a result, he had a small view of Christianity. Now, he wasn't the only one. His friends who believed in Jesus had a similar small view. But then he had a dream from God that not, it didn't burst his bubble, it actually blew up his thinking. So let me, I'm gonna tell you a story and uh, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this story, but as I share this story, what I hope is that you begin to think a little bit more the way God dreams. So let me introduce you to the story. It's, it's told from the lens of a guy named Peter who's a follower and friend of Jesus who you gotta bear in mind. Uh, he had his mind already blown. I mean, he's following Jesus who is he hears the stories that Jesus was born from a virgin named Mary. He knew Mary. He heard the stories firsthand. He follows Jesus. He sees Jesus do signs, wonders, and miracles. Miracles like giving sight to a man born blind. 
He sees Jesus raise the dead like his friend Lazarus. He sees Jesus walking on water and, Jesus, and, and, he, and he's scared. And he goes, Jesus, is that you? If that's really you, ask me to come out on the water. And then he begins to walk on water. That Peter. He's there when Jesus is tried and sentenced to death. And then he watches as Jesus is crucified and dies. But then, three days later, Peter runs into the tomb to see an empty place where Jesus' body used to lay. Then, he meets the resurrected Jesus and spends time with him over a period of many days. He actually talks with the resurrected Jesus, and then he watches with his friends as Jesus ascends into heaven. Yeah, that Peter. And yet Peter and his friends have a small view of God. And because of that, they have a small view of their faith. One of the specific things that kept it small was they believed that the message of Jesus, the good news of God's love was only meant for Jews, for those insiders like them. But God wanted to blow their mind and change their thinking. And so we're going to jump into a story found in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to hear about a dream that God has for you and a dream that God has for the church. So the story, we're going to read it from Acts chapter 10. And the book of Acts is an account of the early church and how it went from this group of a few rugged individuals, kind of rough around the edges uh, guys, to what it is today. Now, obviously, uh, Book of Acts doesn't tell what it is today, but it, but it brings you pretty far into the story of the church. So here we are, Acts chapter 10, at Caesarea. Now, Caesarea is the Roman capital of the region over Israel, which is called Judea. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So right off the bat, uh, Cornelius is one of those outsiders. He's one of those outcasts to Judaism, and obviously from Peter's perspective, would not be somebody that they would want to share the message of Jesus with, because he is a Roman, he is um, an outsider, and, and not only this, but he's a soldier, within the Roman, uh, the Italian regiment, which means he's one of the oppressors of the nation of Israel. Like, he's the abuser. Like, he certainly doesn't deserve to hear about the message of Jesus. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. Huh, that's interesting. Meaning, he was seeking God. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. He wanted to know God. He wanted to seek God. So he knew God. He just didn't know Jesus. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. So he was, he was looking for God. He was seeking God. And because he was seeking God, God sought him. God came to him. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send me, now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, who is, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout 
and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So these guys are on their way to Joppa. At the same time, Peter has a dream. Let's read this story. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. I I like this because it just makes me laugh uh, because I think all of us like maybe Sunday afternoons or like maybe you've had a hard day of work and you just sit down on the couch and and, like you might be hungry, but you're hungry enough to like fall asleep. And you know, you have the weirdest dreams when you fall asleep during the day. You have the weirdest dreams when you were asleep, then you wake up and you fall back asleep, right? So this is the spot that Peter is in. And I I also appreciate how God uses the situation Peter's in. Peter is wrestling with this challenge about who the message of Jesus is for. Is it only for Jews? What about these Gentiles? Gentiles would be anybody who's outside of the Jewish faith. So Peter's wrestling with this question. He's hungry and he's waiting for a meal and he's drowsy. All right, so this is where our story continues. Um, he was prepared, and he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Cool. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, this might not be a big deal to some of you. I mean, some, some of you have like a, you, you like to experiment with the kind of foods and meals you eat. Maybe you're a foodie and you enjoy eating all kinds of different varieties of foods. Um, some of you like, you've, you'll eat, you'll pretty much eat anything, right? It's a lot of fun. It's exciting. But if you were a Jew in this time and even today, they have a kosher diet which means the Old Testament of the Bible includes a lot of different laws. It includes laws about um, ceremonial cleansing, right? Hygiene laws. It includes dietary laws, what you can eat and how you have to prepare that food. And it includes laws about worship. And they had strict laws about what they could and couldn't eat, the kind of animals they could and couldn't eat. Let, Let me give you an example. They could not eat pig, which means they couldn't have bacon. They couldn't have ham. They couldn't have pork chops. And then, you know, in here, there are reptiles and birds that they weren't, they couldn't eat. And so Peter is saying, no, 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 I'm following the strict law of Judaism, what I can and cannot eat. I've never eaten that kind of stuff. And if you eat it, here's what would happen in Judaism. It's not just that you're eating something raw, like, you know, like you're eating something you shouldn't eat, like it's not healthy for you. Uh, it makes you unclean, which means it separates you from your ability to worship God and keeps you outside of the synagogue for days. Okay, so that's the situation here. So he says, no, God, I'm not going to do that. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God made, has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken up to heaven. So Peter has this vision, and he's like, this is a weird vision. God's saying, you know, don't, tell, don't say anything that I have said is clean. Don't call it unclean. Do you think it was about animals? No, he was referring to people because they saw people as outsiders. They saw people as unworthy and undeserving of the message of Jesus. 
So while Peter is thinking about this, right, the story continues. Um, While Peter was still thinking about this vision, this dream, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them to you. And so Peter goes with these men. He shows up at Cornelius' house and Cornelius tells him the story and Peter begins to share with them the message of Jesus. Really, the first outsiders to, to uh, the message of Christianity that are, that are hearing the message from these followers of Jesus. And there's a really important point in all of this that Peter has a dream that's bigger than he had dreamed. I want to challenge you to become part of something bigger than yourself. Become part of a dream that's bigger than what you've dreamed. Would you be willing to become part of something bigger? Part of a dream that's bigger than you. Part of the reason our, you know, our bubbles get burst, it's not just that we dream crazy things like becoming a T-Rex or growing up to be a butterfly. It's that we dream big dreams and then failure and pain and hurt sets in and it bursts our bubbles. Why? Because the world is not as it should be. We live in a broken world where we experience hurt and rejection and pain and failure and we suffer. The world is broken, not just because it's broken by each other, it's spiritually broken by sin. The world is corrupted. And as a result, the way we deal with this spiritual brokenness is many people, they just reject God. I don't don't want anything to do with God. Or they turn to religion, which is trying to do it in your own strength. And that's really what Peter And these other leaders of the early church were doing, right? They were following the rules of Judaism, thinking that the rules would rescue you, even though they had the message of Jesus. And so what they were doing is they were trapped in this religious thinking. And you and I, when our our bubble gets burst, we either turn our back on God or we try to earn our way to God. We try to deserve our way to God. But Peter and these leaders, they knew that they were never going to be good enough. In fact, Every Jewish person knew and knows you can never follow the rules enough to impress God. We're never good enough. So what does God do? God comes to us to rescue us. That's the message of Jesus. So Peter actually said this in response to hearing that Cornelius had had a vision or had met an angel. This is his response in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. I want to give you something powerful. This aha moment that Peter has is the only reason why you and I are here today. The reason why you're able to hear this if you're joining us online, the reason why you're able to hear this through a a video message at our campus in Chambersburg is because God gave Peter a dream that the message of Jesus was not exclusively for the insiders, the ones who had the rules and were following the rules. In fact, the message of Jesus was for anyone and everyone. God had a big dream and you were in it. God's dreams include you. Listen to me. God, when God dreams, 
he dreams of you. And God put a dream inside of Peter that included you. This was such a big dream that it not only changed the, the, the um, direction of Christianity, but it changed the world today. And it's the reason we are able to gather as the church. It's the reason we do church the way we do it. Because we're trying to join in the dream of God. A big dream to change the world. When God dreamed, he dreamed of you. And when God dreams, when he plants a dream into the church, it includes you. You and I who we, we don't deserve, we don't feel worthy, but because of what Jesus did, we now deserve and are worthy in the eyes of God. God loves you and God is for you. So what is the message? What, what was Peter sharing? What was he holding back and keeping only for the Jews that God gave him a dream to share with Cornelius that meant it was for anyone and everyone. Well, here's the message. That you and I were far from God in a broken world that we broke because of this spiritual curse called sin. You and I rejected God because there's this spiritual corruption inside of us. That spiritual corruption called sin separated us from God and has us headed toward a forever far from God. That's eternal judgment. That's hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to rescue us from our sins by dying on the cross to pay our debt, to absorb our eternal judgment. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he, he conquered the power of sin at work in my life, at work in your life, at work in every outsider's life. And everyone who's trying to follow all the rules, he broke the power of sin in every one of our lives, freeing us from shame and guilt. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gives anyone who believes in him by faith victory over death because he offers eternal life. What a message. What an amazing message that Peter was carrying and the disciples were hoarding. But today is shared with anyone and everyone. Cornelius and his family, they heard it and they believed it. And their whole family was saved. They believed in Jesus Christ by faith. And I'm trusting that there are some of you, maybe you've done religion or maybe you've just rejected God. But you right now, you're, you're an outsider. I want you to know that God dreamed and he dreams of you. And he invites you to respond to him by faith and receive this message of God's love. If you're, if you're receiving that by faith, if you're accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're allowing God's spirit into your spirit, I want to say welcome home. We're excited to welcome you into the family of God. Now let us know. Text the name Jesus to 81411. That's right. Right now. Wherever you are, you're joining us behind a device, you're joining us online, you're at our campus, would you pull out your phone right now and shoot us a text? The name Jesus to 81411. Now, when you believe in Jesus by faith, you become part of the dream of God. You become part of sharing the dream of God with others who feel like they're on the outside. And so now I wanna shift and I wanna take some time to unpack with you what it looks like to become part of the bit, something bigger than yourself. That you, can, you, that you and I can become part of something bigger than ourselves. So I want to jump back into this verse that Peter, that Peter spoke. 
I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. That's right. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him. Are you kidding me? Peter has a dream about food. God says, take and eat, kill, you know, and eat it. And Peter goes, no, I, I can't do that. I won't do that. God says, take, kill, eat. Don't call what I have called clean, unclean. What you think is unworthy, I've called worthy. What you think is undeserving, I've called deserving. You might think you're unworthy. God has called you worthy. You might think you're undeserving. God has called you deserving. You might think you're unforgivable. God has called you forgiven. Now, I want to invite you like Peter was invited to dream dreams that are bigger than you. That's right. Dream dreams that are bigger than you. Dream God-sized dreams. What did God do? God reached into Peter's mind and into his sleep and blew his mind to think bigger, to dream bigger. You've got small thinking. You've got small faith because you think that God is small, but God is way bigger than you and I are. And he thinks way bigger and he dreams bigger than you and I. So what does that look like? God gave Peter a dream For the world, that anyone and everyone who wants to know God can receive God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so from that moment, it's a seed moment. This dream is a seed from Cornelius's house. A group begins to grow. And then Peter and the other disciples, they begin to share the message of Jesus with other outsiders. Eventually, the message of Jesus spreads to Antioch. In fact, if you just turn the page, they end up in Antioch. It's a, it's a region, it's across from Italy, right? They go out, they go to Antioch. And in Antioch is the first place where they're called Christians, little Christs. They're actually, it's, a, it's not a term of endearment. They're mocking them. You all, you want to be like Jesus. And they say, that's right. We're Christians, right? We're Christians. We're Christians. And from Antioch, the message of Jesus begins to spread. This would have never happened if it weren't for the dream of God given to Peter. The message spreads from Antioch to Cyprus to Pamphos to Pamphylia. It goes on to Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. It goes on from there to Syria. This guy, Saul, who God radically gets a hold of his life, he changes his name from Paul to Paul, and he becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. He begins to travel all across Asia and Europe, starting churches. Listen to this. The church gathers in homes where neighbors are invited in to the message of Jesus. They begin to serve on the streets. They begin to care for the poor, for the hungry, and the hurting in their cities. Jerusalem begins to be changed by the message of Jesus, the love of God, as expressed through Christians who are feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, um, supporting those who are grieving and hurting. Jerusalem, the atmosphere in Jerusalem begins to change. And then they spread the message, right, to Antioch. They start new churches in new ways, reaching new people. Um, in Jerusalem, that, the gathering grows so much that they actually have to gather in multiple places to worship God. And then the lead pastors of those churches would travel between those gatherings to preach the same message because they didn't have online and they didn't have video technology. Are you kidding me? They were a multi-site church at the very beginning. And then they started churches all across Asia and Europe. As a result, 
we're here today. Our lineage goes all the way back to Peter preaching to Cornelius. As a result, here's, here's what happens. The church spreads so much that uh, there's some confusion among the leaders. They're like, wait, when, when somebody who's an outsider to Judaism believes in Jesus, do they have to follow all the rules? And so they had an, a, a debate. You know, debates happen in churches. And so here, Peter speaks up in the middle of that debate. And he, he, he tells them his dream that he had. He goes, I know that God wants people who are on the outside to come into the inside. And they shouldn't have to follow all the rules. Because they were saying, like, do they have to not, do they have to give up bacon? Do they have to um, get, do the men have to get circumcised who are not? Like, do they have to follow all the religious rules? And Peter finally says to them, it is my judgment or it's my understanding that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Do you hear that? It's so good. What he's saying is, the church, the ones with the message of God's love, should do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God and not make it difficult for people to turn to God. We should be a church that unchurched people love to attend. We should make it easy for people to come to faith. We should live our lives in such a way in the community that people are attracted to the message of Jesus and want to become part of it. So here's my challenge to you. You can make a difference in something bigger than yourself when you become part of the dream of God in and through the church. Make a difference in something bigger than yourself. Don't just have a bigger dream. Don't just, you know, think bigger than yourself. Become part of, make a difference in something bigger than than yourself. The way you make a difference in something bigger than yourself is not by hearing a sermon. It's not by learning more. It's by being apprenticed. Meaning we're saying, watch us and then follow us. Come with us as a church. We'll show you how to make a difference. And now we're going to invite you to become part of, become your part in making a difference. So why does the church exist? Right here, this is why. So let, let me break it down for you. We, we, we have a simple statement, right? Know God, find family, make a difference. The church exists so that people can know God, that people far from God can come to know God. We want anybody and everybody to come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when they believe in God, we want to create space for people to gather for worship. Know God, believe in Jesus, gather and worship, find family. We want to create space just like they did in the early church where people spread out all across the community where they gather in groups. So to find family means get connected to a life group and get plugged into a dream team where you can begin to do your part in helping serve in and through the local church. And then the third part is make a difference. Well, you make a difference by giving, inviting, and going, giving. I'm going to talk a little bit more about kingdom builders in just a moment, but we invite you to give financially to and through the church because your giving um, fuels the vision. Vision directs finances, but finances paces the implementation of the vision. Do you know that we can have, we, what well, we do have, we have a great vision for Lifehouse Church, but the vision can only be implemented as fast as you give. It's up to you 
how fast we accomplish what God's put in the heart of our church. So you give, you invite. You have a responsibility. Invite your friends to come and become part of Lifehouse Church, to hear the message of Jesus so you can make a difference by giving, by inviting, and by going. Getting out and making a difference in our community by sharing and showing the love of Jesus with people far from God. We are a church that is for our cities, the cities God has planted us in. We want to make a difference in our city. We want to see our cities transformed. We want to show the love of Jesus by caring for the poor, by feeding the hungry, by helping those that are trapped in human trafficking be rescued out of it, right? Like we want to, we want to um, serve the most vulnerable populations in our community because we're for our city. We're also for the church because we realize that the church is bigger than just Lifehouse Church. So we want to be a best friend to the local church. And we are a church starting church. We're a multiplying church. Multiplying is following the example of the early church where they spread out and they started churches. Now I've learned, particularly during the pandemic season, that the multiplication of the church is a little bit like two steps forward, one step back. So let me give you a couple examples. Um, this past year, we helped start two new churches through LifeHouse and through our network. But we had to shut down one of our other network churches. Um, we, during the pandemic, we had to close one of our campuses while simultaneously we're preparing to start a new campus, right? So we're going to start a campus, but sometimes you have to pull back in order to resource something else. And, you know, sometimes it's not even our decision. Things just happen. Um, as we think ahead to starting new services, one of the things we have to do right now is, and I want to make sure I made this clear to you guys, um, because you might be wanting to come out and join us at one of our in-person services, or you're in Chambersburg, and you, sometimes you come down on a Saturday. February 12th will be our last in-person Saturday service. We're going, to, we're going to be having to close that Saturday service. Part of it is it's not a sustainable service. The, the, so that's a challenge that hurts, right? But sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, but we are a multiplying church. We're going we're gonna to add new services in the future. We'll start, we're starting a new campus in Frederick. We're going to help start, and by the way, we had to move that timeline back a little bit, again, because of the challenges with the pandemic. So instead of uh, in the spring, we're looking at starting that Frederick campus in September. We're partnering to launch a new church in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, Reset Church, partnering with Pastor Jorge. And so, you know, these are the things we do, right? And, and so how do we make this possible? Through kingdom builders. I, I want to encourage you, would you give regularly? Give your tithes and offerings. Kingdom builders, so this is my, my last challenge, right, to you is this. We, finances fuels the implementation of the vision. And you have a church that believes in being a church, unchurched people love to attend, and being a church that's for our city, a church that's for the local church, and a church that is a multiplying church. Well, how does this happen? Because you and I give. We give in our tithes and offerings. That's setting aside 10% of our regular, our, our income to God and putting that into the church. We also give above and beyond in what we call kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is like a mutual fund. All of these significant projects that projects like funding starting new churches, funding starting a new campus, what we're doing, you know, starting a new church, starting a new campus in Frederick. That happens because of kingdom builders. Um, it's also our for our city and global efforts to see people rescued out of human trafficking, to, to uh, 
face head on the challenges with addictions and help see, see people re- recover. Our partnership with Brooks House, seeing Teen Challenge brought into the um, tri-state area. We're, we're looking at seeing a dream center started in the Hagerstown area beginning in 2022, right? That's possible because of your kingdom builders giving. And so here's what I would simply ask you to do. We're not looking to take up an offering right now. I'm inviting you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with us and become the fuel, become part of the fuel to see the vision of God implemented in and through Lifehouse Church. And so would you just, would you prayerfully make a commitment? We gave you an envelope. Would you take a step of faith? Maybe dream what's it, what feels impossible, but by faith, I'm gonna trust God to provide through me to fuel the vision of Lifehouse Church. And so would you prayerfully write that out? You can drop it in the giving boxes. We, you can do that this week. You can do that next week. Just drop it in. The part of it is, uh, as you make that commitment, it allows us to budget for kingdom builders. So you're not obligated to this. You know, we're not having you sign on the dotted line um, some, you know, obligatory note. We just want you to make a commitment. And as you make that commitment, you're, you're letting us know so that we can budget for it. But as I wrap this up, I want to give you a final challenge. Just this. How can you become part of a dream from God that's bigger than you, that is happening in the church, that's happening in Lifehouse Church. What's your part? And I wanna invite you into this big dream that God has to see a city and cities, your neighborhood, your family transform. Would you let me pray over you? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you did not leave us far from you, but you loved us so much because you did not want to spend eternity without us. So you came to us. Thank you that your dreams included me. It included every person that's joining us right now. So now God, help us to begin to dream big dreams. Help us to become part of this bigger dream that's larger than ourselves. Help us to live selflessly and generously as we serve in this big dream called the church. And as we do our unique part in giving and serving and inviting specifically within Lifehouse Church. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.